Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast presented by RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to RaiderRamble.com for all your Raider needs. We'll be mixing things up on you a little bit these next couple episodes. Jose and I have some conflicting uh, schedules, so we're going to have guest hosts for each of us the next two weeks. We're going to be talking about Rodney Hudson's contract, training camp battles, as well as uh, some takes on the uh, Derek Carr MVP candidacy. That was a hot discussion last week. So before we get into all that, just wanted to give a chance to um, introduce my friend Ray here. Ray's been a beat writer for the Raiders as well as covered the Raiders for RaiderRamble.com. Super knowledgeable, guy I always look to when uh, I need some good Raiders news and some, some insights. Don't always agree with them, but he always has some good points. So Ray, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to the people? Hey, um, thank you very much for uh, giving me the time. I always appreciate it and talking Raiders. Is always good, whether you know we agree or not. It's always good because it's always good to get different perspectives <laughs> yeah. from Raider fans for sure. Exactly, I, I always love it. So uh, Ray, I'm a little curious about your background. I know, as I mentioned, you you kind of started out as a beat writer and now write for the Raider Ramble. You want to talk a little bit about your career covering the Raiders and some of your some maybe a couple highlights from your career? For sure. Um, you know, one of the things that always uh, makes me laugh is when uh, people ask. Uh, when and where did you start writing about the Raiders? And I'm like, well, I wrote uh, for a newspaper in Humboldt County for a long time, awesome. and there's massive amounts of Raiders and 49er fans. <laughs> and that allowed me to, you know, cover the Raiders, whether it was writing columns, going to games. Um, one of my favorite moments uh, was when I got to cover Ray Maluga's uh, return to the Bay uh, when he got drafted by Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. He's a Eureka yeah. High kid. And uh, got to watch that game, watch him play. Um, and uh, the funniest thing in the press box that, that afternoon was when uh, Stanford Route sacked Carson Palmer <laughs> to end the game, basically. Yeah. Uh, even the Raider beat writers couldn't believe what was going on. They kind of wrote it off as another loss. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an awesome moment. So you're a Eureka High grad? Um, I'm a Humboldt State grad. Gotcha. Uh, my dad was in the Navy, so we moved up and down California. Oh, okay. Anyway, moving on to some Raiders talk. Um, the first things first, we got Rodney Hudson's contract to talk about. So I wrote an article, dropped today or Monday on uh, the RaiderRamble.com. Head on over there to check it out. But obviously one of the biggest questions facing Mayock in his young GM career is what to do or what to make with the Rodney Hudson situation. You know, it kind of, when I looked at this and started writing my article, it kind of boiled down to, to two real contract signings that happened this last offseason. Uh, the first comes from Mitchell Morris from the Bills. He's now the highest paid center, making 11.25 a year, so 11 and a quarter a year uh, for the next four years. And then there's Marquise Pouncey from the Steelers, who's now the second highest paid player, or played center, I should say, uh, making $11 million per year. And so I obviously went back, started comparing Hudson and uh, Mitchell Morris first, just because that's kind of the standard that Hudson set. You know, he's been one of the top centers in the in the league coming up. So he definitely deserves to get paid that way. You know, and they're and him and Morris are pretty similar in production the last four years. Um, you know, Hudson only allowed two sacks. Morris has allowed three. And all three of those came in, in Morris's rookie year. And they both graded out fairly well in pass protection on the PFF scale. You know, the biggest difference between the two is that Morris is going to be 
27 and uh Hudson then turn 30 in July. I think right. with I think with that it's kind of a little bit difficult to expect uh Hudson to get or for Hudson to command number 1 money being 3 years the younger. So that kind of lead me to Pouncey who's the second and not much further behind, but you know, I've seen Pouncey has a ton of accolades, so he has a lot of Pro Bowls, a lot of all pros, and certainly more than HUD. I think there's only been like one year in Pouncey's career, and that was the year he was injured. He wasn't at least a Pro Bowler, which is pretty good. But then I look at it a little bit deeper, and, you know, with offensive linemen, it's obviously hard to tell who's playing well and who's not. And, mm-hmm. you know, HUD had a, in terms of PFF grades and sacks, and I know you're not the biggest PFF guy or certainly not like I am, but for what it's worth, uh, the PFF grades were a little bit higher and the sacks allowed have actually been better than Pouncey for um, Hudson. And that's huge for me. Mm -hmm. And I think for that, and both of them are 30. And I think with that, I kind of projected a four year, 44 million and $400,000 contract for Hudson. That's going to put him right between Morris and Pouncey and give Hudson that, like, what I like to call the pettiness tax. So we'll make a little bit more than Pouncey, but not enough to really be anything significant. Get that little ego for him. Right. What do you think, Ray? Am I over or under on my projection? What do you think? No, I think that's fair. I think you're right on the money. Uh, where where HUD has really good leverage is the fact that John Gruden has said nothing but good things yeah. about the guy. Uh, yeah. The pivot's an important spot, because that's the guy uh, that's going to touch the ball every snap. Yeah. I mean, if Derek says he touches the ball every snap, that's true. Uh, but it, it's Rodney that touches the ball, and then when he looks up and he surveys that field and he starts pointing around, mm-hmm. you know, that's not theatrics. That's him calling things out. Yeah, getting quarterback in the line. Right, and he's basically, you know, you can say Derek Carr is the heart. I'm gonna say Hudson's the brain. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. Because yeah, I mean, you sit there and you've got two two big dudes that are right there in front of you. You know, they can hear everything you're calling out, mm-hmm. right? And he exactly. has the task of trying to not only get everyone right, but then keep Derek Carr clean. And to me, that, that money contract that you brought up is right in line because, you know, for, for how intelligent and tough he is, dude is tough, man. He, yeah. he played with some ailments this past season. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't think he's missed a game as a Raider, has he? I, I don't think so. Um, he's the dude that you know that game in, game out. Yeah. yeah, if he's limping, he's not going to show it. He's going to go out there because uh, he understands that he's vital to that offensive line. You, you know, we, we pay more attention to the tackles, you know, like yeah. Colton Miller's getting roasted. But <laughs> it's the dude right in the middle, that battery of Hudson and Carr that really needs to be in sync. Because everything else can work itself out. But if you have a – like, look what happened with Barrett Robbins and Adam True. Mm-hmm. You know, you had one guy that was stellar, and the guy with him was adequate. You know, who's even his backup at this point, right? Um, uh, Hudson. I, I don't, yeah, I'm at a loss. I don't even, do we sign somebody? Because we didn't draft anybody. It I was mean, I, I can't remember his name, but that, that Chiefs um, backup guard, he seems to be like the guy that, like, even the beat writers are saying he's going to be better option than Feliciano, but okay. I, I hardly saw the dude play, so I can't yeah. say, you know, for sure that he's gonna he's gonna come in there and be like all right we won't skip a beat because no matter who they got if hudson you know god forbid goes out that that right there is gonna be like crazy i, I can't even imagine yeah. that no 
I mean, you hit it right on the nail right on the head. Like we said, we can't even think of the backup center because one, we haven't had to use one in a while, and two, you know, that's there's nobody there. Like you're talking about a guy that's a backup guard. It's a little mm-hmm. bit different when you got to snap the ball. I mean, you kind of have to lock this guy down. But I'll be the contrarian here. I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate. And I think the reason why this deal isn't a slam dunk and what's probably weighing on Mike Mayock's mind, and obviously I'm not a mind reader, I can't get into his mind, is $11 million is a lot to pay a guy that's on the wrong side of 30. Right. And it's just, and I think that's part of what, what weighs on his head is too, is like, do I really want to pay, two years from now, do I want to pay a guy that's 33 years old, you know? Mm-hmm seven eight figures and i right. i mean is there any you have any hesitation with knowing that knowing that he's aging aging you know for me uh offensive lineman i don't have any qualms about paying a guy who's north of 30 at that position um because one just how important he is uh, yeah. just imagine yeah. trying to get someone else acclimated to Cars, mannerisms, or the Gruden offense. Uh, It took a while for a lot of players to adjust to that. Uh, You know, Derek Carr's even admitted it. He's like, man, you know that that first year, it was really tough because, like, we did not get 100% what we were trying to do yet because everyone was still getting acclimated. Now you put a, a, you know, I'm not saying that no one else can come in and do it. I'm saying, you know, when you head to Vegas where you're supposed to be clicking, do you want to start over at the pivot? Yeah, that's true. It's true. It's like, do you want to start from scratch or do you want to maybe have some an older player and work in a, a plan B in the way? Yeah. And the other thing about Vegas is, you know, state, state income tax is non-existent. <laughs> so any yeah. deal that Hudson signs, he won't be paying that, you know, ludicrous amount. Was it like 30, 40 percent in California? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But I almost now that you bring that up, that almost that kind of segues me into another thing that I think is holding it up is if I make it Mike Mayock, I'm trying to front load that contract for the reasons we were just talking about that because at the end of the day, you don't want to have an old guy on a bad contract. And then Hudson, right. he's thinking like you're thinking, well, hell, next year I'll have no state income tax. And right. this is probably his last contract, so I'm trying to stretch this guaranteed money out as far as I can. And right. I think that's a that's a valid hangup. It's like, oh, what do you do if you're Mayock? And obviously Hudson's not going to, not gonna budge if he's smarter or whatnot but right i think you know what they could do is do what tom delaney has been doing under mckenzie and under mayock uh you know like the deal that tyrell signed it's basically as pay as you go that you know it's front loaded uh pay as you go if it doesn't work out after year one you can think about it and then from those Mm -hmm. years on really be like okay this dude just didn't work out for whatever yeah i mean definitely seems like at least from the raiders perspective front loading is, is the way to go I mean, right. the biggest thing is, can't. how much do you have to give them? How much more guaranteed money do you have to give them up front in order to get, get them to take that front-loaded contract? Exactly. All right, moving on a little bit. We got training camp coming up in about, I think rookies actually report a month from when this will air on Tuesday, the, or Wednesday the 26th. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you. I'm curious, Ray, what, what training camp battle are you looking to, forward to most? There was one uh, I was really looking forward to, and then I watched 
um, some game tape, and I kind of just it kind of just waned on me. Um, it was originally going to be Johnny Townsend versus AJ Cole. <laughs> oh God! Wait, wait, wait! Back up. You watch game tape, and then you decided on the yeah. punters was the battle yeah. you're looking forward to. I, I was going to pick that until I saw. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I want to make sure because if you're yeah. sitting there watching punting highlights, we might need to call a doctor. <laughs> hey, I'm a special teams guy, man. I, I always have. I, I remember Mario laughing about it. He, you really care about special teams? And I'm like, man, if the kicker can't kick, punter can't punt, it's big, big trouble. I'm with you, man. Special people play special teams. What I saw from Cole is, in college, now I'm not saying he can't mm-hmm. change, but in college, what I saw from Cole is a guy that is a directional punter, primarily with little to no power in his leg. Okay. So we could be seeing a lot of Townsend-esque pooch punts. <laughs> And okay. I don't know if Raider Nation wants to do that again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the coffin corners will come in handy, but you're right. The 20-yard punts are something we can live without. We might as well go for it at that point. Right. I mean, I wrote I wrote in a piece about special teams, uh, you know, I think a couple weeks ago was there's nothing more demoralizing for a tired defense than seeing their punter go out and drop a 20-yard punt, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so that battle is out, out the window. What I'm really looking forward to is seeing if Darren Waller can become a blocking tight end or <laughs> who is going to take that role. Because um, we saw Lee Smith play a lot uh, with Jared Cook because Lee's the blocker. Um, yeah. You know, Jared, he's not a guy that you, you go out there and you go, man, he's going to block this dude. I mean, he can he can get in the way. Yeah. Like, sometimes yeah. that's all you need is to get in the mm-hmm. way. But when, when Jared's on the field and when Lee Smith's on the field – Defense is new. This guy's going to block. This guy's going to receive. And that's why Lee Smith got open for those touchdowns in the red zone because they were like, he's not running yeah. around. Oh, he did. So uh, I'm looking forward to see if it's Foster Moreau or if it's Derek Carrier or if it's uh, Luke Wilson who grabs that mantle of blocker because I think yeah. the position is going to be 1A, 1B. Yeah. I did forget about Luke Wilson. I, that name did not come across my head until you uh, until you mentioned it. But, you know, if I had to, if I had to make a prediction – I would think it'd be Moreau. You know, I think that's what I did a lot in LSU. And I think his offense in LSU is going to translate pretty well to what the Raiders want to do. I'd like to see Darren Waller, like you said, like to see Darren Waller be like that kind of gronk guy that can do both and defenses don't know. You're not tipping your hand to the defense. But I think it's going to be hard transition for him. You know, I I remember I actually wrote another piece uh, on Darren Waller too, and it was kind of watching film on him. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of run blocking or inline blocking as a tight end film on him. One, because his NFL career hasn't been very long. And two, he played right. receiver in college. It's right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not to say that he can't do it, but I have a feeling what, will, what Gruden will end up doing is going with Moreau or uh, going with Moreau and Waller and kind of that similar Lee Smith, uh, Jared Cook end up and roles as they did last year i think it'll be a little be a little bit more of the same i'm not sure what you're thinking um i think i you know i could see definitely that uh if moreau develops i could see him getting more playing time because he has surprising athleticism Uh, he's a lot faster than a lot of people think uh and he got kind of just you know sandboxed in that he's just a blocker when you've got four six five four five wheels that's that's yeah to me that indicates more than a blocker uh or at least a decoy (laughs) (laughs) yeah no for sure yeah, I do remember as, uh, you know, the draft progressed, like a lot of people were impressed with Moreau. So who knows? He could even take it over full time and, hey, even better for the Raiders. The battle I'm looking forward to, and it's one that I've actually been pretty excited about for a while, 
is the battle for that third wide receiver or that slot receiver. You know, oh, I look, yeah, I look at this, uh, I look at the receiving core and I really only see two guys who are locks to make the team. Three, if you consider Dwayne Harris a wide receiver, but I consider that guy a special teamer that happens to play wide receiver. You know, it's really just AB and Tyrell that have anything locked up. It's a lot of players who, you know, are either coming off some tough years veterans wise or a lot of rookies. And, you know, I think the favorite or the starter heading into training camp is going to be JJ Nelson, but that isn't exactly, he wasn't exactly productive last year with seven catches and 64 yards for zero touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And then the year before he had a little bit better year, but it wasn't a whole lot better or it was better, but not a whole lot better for the Cardinals. And then you have Ryan Grant would be kind of the next veteran in line. You know, 2017, he showed some promise. Raiders were actually interested in him until he decided, decided to sign with Baltimore, and then that fell through. But then in 18, battled some injuries and ended up didn't really living up to the hype, hence why the Colts let him go after a year. And mm-hmm. that kind of leaves you with, uh, leaves the door wide open for a lot of rookies, like guys like Hunter Renfro and Keelan Doss, who both have had experience playing in the slot. Hunter a little bit more because I think he took like 90% of the snaps and Keelan Doss is more around 45 at UC Davis. Right. But, you know, I think both those guys have not only good shots to make the team, but mm-hmm. to be that third or starting receiver, if you will. Yeah. You know what interests me about the uh, slot receiver role? Um, just based off of Gruden talking about the nickel uh, corner role, slot corner role. True, he yeah. said those, those slot corners have to tackle and have to cover. Now, that brings me right to the mindset of Gruden wants that slot receiver to know how to block. And out of the guys we've mentioned, Ryan Grant probably has the better um, skill set for that. Uh, he's kind of like Seth Roberts level in terms of gotcha. rough blocking, class blocking. Now, Keelan Doss, he's a big dude. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 6'3", 220, so around that range. Uh, he's kind of like the quote-unquote local for us because he's from UC Davis. <laughs> yeah. He's originally from Alameda, too, I believe. Right. So yeah. he's for, he's a Bay kid. Now, that's what I would look at, first and foremost, at the um, number three receiver spot, is how well can this dude block? Because, um, you know, Gruden wants all the receivers to be able to run every route tree. But when you look at the film uh, last year, uh, watch Seth and the work that he did down there, getting yeah. dirty, um, laying chips in. That's what he wants that receiver to be able to do, because that receiver has got that priority of that nickel corner who can, who's supposed to be able to tackle. And, you know, it's a tough assignment. I mean, but out of those guys, I really like Hunter. Uh, the fact that he just somehow gets open. Yeah. Um, Third and whether it's, his, yeah, he just gets, he gets open. Uh, and I think Gruden will love that. Derek will love that, but he's a rookie. I don't know if he can immediately go, this is my spot. I mean, the joke is he was in college for like eight years, so maybe he's already a veteran. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he certainly looks like a veteran. Guy's got the receding hairline. He's like some air monarchs away from being a full-on dad. But I will say he is a hell of a receiver, and like you said, the guy finds a way to get open. Um, You know, I I can't say I'm too too keen on his blocking ability, but, and I mean, I mean, him and Keelan Doss could, are kind of like, two examples of the old, the new school slot receiver, you know, Hunter Renfro's what, like 5'11", buck 85 kind of guy, so a smaller receiver. 
And then Keelan Doss is actually like 6'3", and, you know, that bigger Michael Thomas kind of slot receiver body type. So it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do, you know, how Gruden's going to manage what he really wants out of that slot. And, you know, hopefully both of them work out and, you know, they can get the best of both worlds. Yeah, I'm a fan of the bigger slot receiver because um, it forces that nickel corner to make a choice. Do I need help from my safety for this yeah. guy? It's, it's basically true. like it's trying to guard a tight end who's mm-hmm. fast. So yeah. I do like the bigger slot receiver. Yeah, I it'll be an interesting battle. I'm, like I said, I'm excited to see it. And, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest here, I'd much rather just kind of cut ties. I know what happened. I know... I've seen what I've seen from JJ Nelson and Ryan Grant. Mm-hmm. I kind of I'm curious what these guys get to do, what Hunter Renfro gets to do, what Keelan Doss can do. Obviously, they got to prove it in training camp. But mm-hmm. the other guy that I don't know, I really like since they drafted him. I thought he was kind of a steal in the seventh round last year. Was Marcel Aitman? Um, he's not a slot guy, but he can definitely definitely push for that fifth or sixth, however many they want, they want to keep receiver on the roster. And who knows? I mean. I think Gruden, deep down with just how much he loves veterans, that won't happen. But I'd love to see those three guy, three young guys get a significant amount of minutes uh, in the upcoming season for him. See what they got. I'm with you on that. Aitman's, uh his calling card coming into the NFL was he was the guy that could make a contested catch. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw a little bit of it. So we'll see. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. He kind of, in a way, kind of reminds me of like a, a little bit of Crabtree. Not obviously not on that level. He would have been a higher pick and whatnot, but kind of same body type, a little bit similar to pop, uh, playing style. And obviously, we saw how well Crab Crab and uh, Derek mixed. Yeah, it's one of the things that I always used to joke about. Uh, I don't. I think you might have seen some of them. As I said, if you gave uh, Cooper the number fifteen jersey, maybe he would have gotten more balls <laughs> from DC. That's true. But it's it's one of those things where who's that guy? AB looks like he's going to be that guy. Um, you know, 100 targets doesn't sound too far off, even with Tyrell and Josh yeah. Jacobs in the background. So we'll see. For sure. The other training camp battle, and it's not – I know we talked about this a little bit on last episode, and it's not necessarily a battle, but I'm curious for your take, Ray. The Raiders are basically – or Paul Gunther is basically making it seem like he's going to start – three safeties on the defense in LaMarcus Joyner, uh, Carl mm-hmm. Joseph, and Jonathan Abram. You know, obviously mm-hmm. Joyner will probably cover the slot, seeing as that he, that's honestly his best spot as a defender and is where he's found the most success in his career. But I don't know, right. what, are you, what are you making of the whole, basically starting all, starting all three of those guys, and what do you think is going to happen for the season? You know, I could definitely see the initial group being uh, Carl Joseph, Don Abrams, Abram, and then uh, Lamarcus, like you said, uh, with those two, I I was always of the thought that you know starting two missile box type safeties uh, is something that teams don't usually do. Yeah. Um, but after watching uh, some old West Virginia tape, <laughs> Mississippi State tape, uh, both guys have the ability to play the center field role. <coughs> Abram is a little uh, is a little faster, and of course a lot bigger. Now, the problem is you don't want Carl Joseph isolated on any tight ends. No. Um, get that out of the out of the whole thing. Um, Abram, we'll see how he does. Uh, and Joyner, even though he's, you know, 5'8", um, he reminds me of Antoine Winfield in terms of tackling ability. So I can see 
that initially starting, but then I can see Eric Harris working in a little bit because he's yeah, that big stick two guy uh, that can be a bit more of a kind of not necessarily take away the tight end, but kind of stick with the tight end with, in terms of physicality. Gotcha. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I like I said, I can see those three guys starting, um, and I, you know, I'm gonna write a piece soon about exploring the four-two-five alignment, something the Raiders did a couple times gotcha. last year. Uh, see if they can make that more of a base, uh, considering, you know, all the yeah. RPO, all the formations offenses are using. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, especially when you consider, you know, DB might be one of the deepest positions on that on the defense, really. I mean, you, <laughs> like we said, we got the three guys you just named. You got Conley on Worley on the outside. You know, who knows what you have in Trayvon Mullen, but the guy was a stud in college. Like, right. why not put your best players on the field as much as possible? I like that. Right. right, and you know, I like the fact that uh, Gunther and the players are, are all echoing the same sentiment. Uh, the Raiders don't do free or strong safety; you're just a defense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think that's important. Yeah, I think that'll be huge, and I I'm interested to see how it works because, like you said, most teams don't really play two box safeties, or mm-hmm. even nowadays even one. But who knows? You know, I think if you're creative with it, like you're talking about, you can actually end up making it work. Which, I don't know. I got faith in Gunther. I like to see what I like to see what he's going to bring to the table. Right, right. And there, you know what? There's an interesting item about uh, Arden Key and all of this. Uh, LSU, uh, his last couple years there, they ran a four-two-five base where he was not a hands in the dirt defensive end. He was a stand-up linebacker gotcha. who dropped his coverage and rushed. So you know, if Gunther wants to make some type of transition, he'll at least he knows that. Arden won't be a guy that's going, wait, what do you want me to do? Because he's done. <laughs> uh, I know he's much maligned. I've joked about it, you know, like about how he came in at 235 and he still looks 235 even though he's 260. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, hey, maybe at 235 he can drop and cover a couple tight ends. <laughs> you know, I for as much as I hate the guy in terms of what he does against the Raiders, uh, the Raiders need to do something about Kelsey. Yeah, for sure. You got to beat those guys in the division and – I'm in the same boat. Not a fan of the guy, but damn it, he kills the Raiders. Damn, it feels like respect. every year. Every yeah, you got to respect what he he can do on the football field. Uh, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you love it when he starts dancing because you know he did something <laughs> yeah. good. But as a Raider fan, you're just like, man. <laughs> For sure. So moving on. Last week, Ray, I don't know if you saw it, but the uh, the hot topic of discussion on the Raider Twitter sphere was Derek Carr's MVP candidacy. Which was uh-huh. the result of a tweet that basically said Derek Carr has no chance to win the MVP. And I'm going to preface this by saying I think Derek Carr will have a good year. I'm confident that year two with Gruden and all the weapons they've added, he'll have a good year. Mm. But I'm also going to say that I think he's a long shot still to make the MVP. He has a chance. Now, to say that he has right. no chance is just wrong. I mean, even Vegas thinks he has a chance, a slim one, but they, if they thought he had no chance, they would just include him in the field, and there are odds for him. I just, when I think about MVPs, you know, I went back and looked at it, the last, uh, let's see, seven MVPs have all been mm-hmm. teams that are in the top four, if you will, or getting a playoff by. You know, the last one that wasn't in that category was 2012 when Adrian Peterson won the MVP because he was nine yards shy of Eric Dickerson's record. 
So yeah, if Derek's going to be close to breaking like Peyton Manning's record, then sure, he can be an MVP candidate and not be a top four team. But right. then again, if he's breaking those records, they're probably going to be a top four team. Like, that's just kind of how, how it works. Right. And I mean, this isn't, people need to realize that this isn't baseball. It's not like Mike Trout, who your team's in the dumps and you can still win the MVP. Like, exactly. wins and losses, it's not a quarterback stat, but it is an MVP stat. Right. I don't know. I'm curious. What do you? What are your thoughts, Ray? I'm with you in terms of to say he has no shot is asinine. Yeah. Uh, everyone has a shot. Yeah. True. Now to say that he's going to be MVP, man, I'm not going to go that far because, like you said, <laughs> when it comes to a quarterback, is victories, wins, and losses. Now, when when he was in the conversation that year, you know, when he busted his leg, uh, he was cardiac car. He, he fourth quarter, <laughs> you give the ball, he's going to do it. Now, if he does that again this year, let's say he does that. He becomes cardiac car, leads the team uh, to, you know, fourth quarter comeback wins. They go to the playoffs. They go deep in the playoffs. And then, you know, somehow they just fall short or somehow they get to the Super Bowl. Long shot. Then you could say Carr's going to be MVP. I cannot say that 100%. I got to be realist. I mean, yeah. the Raiders are so low on the totem pole of respectability. Maybe Hard Knocks changes that. You never know. <laughs> but... To, to say that the most valuable player is on a sub-500 team, um, yeah, he's valuable in the hearts of Raider Nation, but in terms <laughs> of those voters, those people that decide that, it's the car's not even going to blip on the radar unless they win at least 10 games and they go to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you brought it up, like, with a, a sub-500 team. You know, I, you know, my expectation for Derek Carr this year is – 2015 which was actually statistically his one of his mm -hmm. best years i think even better than 2016 at least in some categories mm -hmm. and you know the team was still seven and nine and nobody in except for maybe roger carr was saying that Derek carr is going to be an mvp candidate like that just like right. you said that just doesn't happen so ray i'm curious i know you said you didn't, you're not going to say he's going to be a he's going to be the mvp but you know i'm looking at an article right here Giving Derek Carr twenty-eight to one odds. Are you? Whew. You think that's high, low? What are you thinking? Oh, man. Um, you know, if you got the money, put the money down. <laughs> uh, but I think it's a little high. Um, be, for, for one simple reason, uh, you know, Jack Del Rio's defense wasn't a domineering defense. But when it came time to give Derek Carr the ball back, they got the ball back. I don't think Gunther's defense is going to be like that in year two. Um, he's got too many moving parts, too many new parts. Now, if you say Paul Gunther's Vegas defense, I'm going to bank on that a little bit more because yeah. that, that that's when people are comfortable. And then he could start sending these crazy blitzes, um, putting everyone back, putting everyone, dropping everyone in zone, making quarterbacks make decisions. That's where my outlier is, is the defense needs to give Carr the ball back. And I don't know if that happens yet in another year or two. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Like you said, you got to, like we said, MVP races, they get decided in the win-loss column, I'd probably say. Right. We're going to move on to my favorite part of the show. Um, Ray, I don't, you might catch, you'll probably catch on. So if you have something that comes to mind, feel free to share. But okay. this is the best thing I saw this week. And that's going to come, it's actually been uh, probably about a week and a half now. It's going to come from the Houston Rockets. Now, I'm a big Warriors fan, so seeing the Rockets in dismay brings me a lot of pleasure. But this whole 
uh, petty business about James Harden and Chris Paul not talking to each other is uh-huh. absolutely great. I absolutely love it. The fact that, once again, Chris Paul proves he's an asshole as a teammate. Just love it. Just love it. Just ask his old Clippers friends how much they like old CP3. And then just go ahead and ask uh, old Dwight Howard what he thinks of James Harden. Because neither one of those guys seem to get along with anybody. Right. And my favorite part had to be Chris Paul taking Instagram to say, oh, this is news to me that we haven't talked. Because everybody knows like a guilty person always feels ne- – or a gu- someone who's not guilty always feels the need to defend themselves, right? Like that's right. just the smart move to make. And I right. just love it. Just seeing the Rockets absolutely be in shambles are further proving to me that the Warriors have destroyed the Rockets. It, it brings pleasure to my heart. I don't know about – who's your NBA team, Ray? Who, are, are you sharing this uh, with me? I, I, you know what? Um, I have a lot of family uh, that are Warriors fans. Uh, the joke <laughs> is you find a Filipino, they're a Warrior fan, right? <laughs> in the Bay Area, um, yeah, pretty much. In the Bay Area. Um, my team actually is no longer in existence. Uh, I followed the Seattle Supersonics like religiously. Um, <laughs> and then when you know Durant played that one final year and then they became the Thunder, I kind of just – became a neutral third party when it came to watching basketball. So <laughs> I understand where you're coming from because I've seen a lot of the beef between the Rockets, <laughs> the Warriors, and then the internal strife. So I get where you're coming from. I can, I can, I can uh, you know, appreciate where you're coming from for sure. Uh, <laughs> the one thing that gets me about the NBA is um, Kawhi Leonard, uh, he's going to talk to teams. That's a smart thing to do. Yeah. Uh, you want an NBA title. You have – uh, not exercise a player option. Go see what's out there. I mean, that's not saying Toronto can't give you the money that you're looking for, but it's smart business to see what other people are willing to give you. How are you truly going to value yourself if you don't know what people are going to offer? So I think Kawhi is making the smart move there. Uh, I really hope that when he signs his new deal, the press conference, he does the laugh. <laughs> I really enjoy the laugh. So. Oh, yeah. You got it. I mean, on the Kawhi shopping himself and any player really shopping themselves, it's like... If you're selling your car, are you going to take the first offer? I mean, sure, if you're just trying to get rid of it because it's hanging out right. in your driveway and taking up space. But if you're selling right. your car and you're looking to make money, you're probably going to try and get in a bidding or get people in a bidding war with themselves. It's just smart to do. Like Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I would do. I know that uh, the Clippers already have billboards down in L.A. <laughs> uh, about Kawhi. And I'm like, man, that's quick. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, the coup would be if the Lakers somehow got LeBron oh, AD and Kawhi together. That would be just buck wild. Um, just I would stop. like the Clippers, actually. Yeah. Uh, went to Southern California, the Clippers would be great. Uh, but who knows? I mean, the NBA is wild. What, what are the Warriors going to do with two dudes coming off injury? You know, does KD come back? I know Clay is probably going to come back, right? Um, but what do you do? Yeah. I mean, they're going to be gone for at least a year. Um, so, you know, Durant might be one foot out the door. Uh, who knows? Uh, but yeah. I mean, all those two dudes, Thompson's got to come back and they got to figure it out. I, uh, I, I just got over the injuries, Ray. So I appreciate you bringing that back up and bringing, pouring oh, more man. salt in those wounds. Uh, uh, <laughs> this ramble piece I had put that, uh, hard knocks is the, the shine the Bay, East Bay needs, especially after what happened to the Warriors. So this is true. It is true. Anything you want to speak your mind about? Um, I think just the fact that we need to Raider Nation um, is it can be as hopeful as it needs to be, but uh, temper some of those expectations for now. 
Uh, wait till Hard Knocks. <laughs> uh, reserve judgment for Incognito, because who knows? Maybe that Incognito perfect blow up in camp on Hard Knocks is going to be the greatest thing you've ever seen. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it would be good TV. Would be it, be especially now that we don't have Game of Thrones. Incognito and perfect is what we need. Yeah, I mean, and then you just see AB in the background doing his little dance. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but I think that for entertainment value alone, Hard Knocks will be well worth it. Now, whether this hampers the Raiders' season, who knows? But, I mean, what, what hampered them when they were finishing sub-500 all those years? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think I think he tweeted that, and I remember, like, yeah, that's a damn good point. Like, oh, what, Hard Knocks comes and another losing season? It's not like we haven't had any of those. Right. So right. I think that we – get to finally see what goes on inside. Yeah. I know that Mark Davis was really hesitant to do it. I think he wanted to do it when they got to Vegas. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. show off the new stadium and all that. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Gruden, Mayock, Mark Davis, the, the Raiders. So mm-hmm. I think HBO did made the right decision on that. Oh, hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. And I'm excited. I think, I think once the show get here, gets here and fans start watching mm-hmm. all the people who are complaining about it are going to feel kind of dumb honestly because it is it's great entertainment it is mm-hmm. so. right it's uh, how i feel about it is people are secretly you know saying no on the surface but secretly on the inside they're oh, yeah. like i'm right. gonna watch every episode every and minute. i'm gonna remind it every every <laughs> chance I get. exactly well all right that's all we have for you guys uh ray where can the people find you uh you can always find me on raid and ramble I also do work for full press coverage there. Um, I try to mix it up. Uh, I do more personality, uh, rambunctious stuff on the ramble, <laughs> and I do straight reporting for the full press coverage. So check it out. Awesome. What's your uh, Twitter handle there, Ray? Uh, good old Jack Asporia. Uh, it's basically Jack with my last name with an extra S. Um, <laughs> it's a name uh, I came up with in high school, and it's a name that my wife vetoed if we ever have a son. So <laughs> Nice. Oh, whenever I uh, ask a question uh, to the Bay Area guys, whether it's, you know, the newspaper or the athletic, <laughs> I swear to pick my I've question so they can write a jackass for you out. Oh, yeah. You have to. Have to. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Anyone listen, if you're not already, follow, this, follow the podcast on Twitter at SweetFly. Follow myself at MHolder95. Well, thank you, Ray, for coming on. We appreciate you ha- coming out and taking some time out of your day to record with us. Uh, real quick matt yeah i just want to give a shout out if for all the people that want to read quality raider stuff read matt's stuff it is appreciate it and there's there's evidence to back up his claims he doesn't just put it out there so (laughs) check it out yeah some people think i just put it out there sometimes i do but no no i appreciate that man (laughs) stuff out there so but you've got you've got like you don't just go out there and say one thing you say the thing and then you give the empirical research to back it up so i appreciate that yeah man i appreciate it yeah Uh, Appreciate the support, man. Well, anyways, until next week, 